Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired Baltimore police sergeant. In the Law Enforcement Today radio show, we are joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, their families, and the community. We'll also be discussing issues in the news from the perspective of those in law enforcement. Check out our daily articles on our website, lawenforcementtoday.com. And while you're there, download our free app. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook. Search for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. He's a retired police officer, retiring at the rank of major. He's an accomplished author. He's written numerous books. He's also written numerous articles on lawenforcementtoday.com. He's here to talk about many aspects of law enforcement that don't get reported in the media. And he's coming up in just a few moments. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is brought to you in part by Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725 online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has a nationally acclaimed veterans and first responders treatment program offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the dedicated and highly specialized treatment they need at Transformations. Their program features first responders and veterans therapists helping first responders and veterans. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at transformationstreatment.center. Calling us from the great state of Ohio, Pat Patrick Welsh, joining us on Law Enforcement. Pat, thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Thanks, Jake. And... I live in Colorado now. I left Colorado. When I retired, yes, I moved to uh, the mountains of Colorado. I uh, love the mountains, man. There's nothing more peaceful to me and more relaxing than, than being in the mountains. Absolutely. My absolutely. wife is a beach person. I'm a mountain guy. I really am. So many people I know that work a career in law enforcement retire, one of the first things they do is they move to a totally different state. Part of it for me was getting away from all the reminders and uh, the stress and tension and everything else that was involved with being in Maryland and close to Baltimore. Yeah, ab- absolutely. My blood pressure dropped. I lost, oh man, 15 pounds, got in the best shape I think I've ever been in, just walking and hiking because of that stress. And that was one of the things that that we decided when I was going to retire is we're, we're going to get away from all the the ugliness of a nearly 30-year career. And there is quite a bit. We'll talk about some of that in just a moment. Uh, And I'm glad you brought up the stress. We'll talk about that because a lot of your articles you've written on law enforcement today have to do with the administrative side of law enforcement, but they also have a lot to do with balancing mental health, family, faith, and, and stress reduction, things of that nature. So that's something we definitely have to talk about in the show. Before we get into a lot of details, just a quick bird's eye view of your law enforcement career from start to finish. Well, I did things a little butt backwards, if you will. I was actually a uh, an assistant county prosecutor who became a cop. I practiced law for four years, all of it as uh, either a city prosecutor, special prosecutor, or, or county DA. Tried everything from jaywalking to murder, 
And when I was 28 years old, my wife said, hey, you're, you don't seem to be happy. What is it you really want to be doing? And I said, well, I've, I've wanted to be a cop since I was nine years old. And Isn't that goes, funny? Well, go do it. It's, so I've, I've had many guests on this show that were police. I know several who were police either a long career or retired and went to law school while they were while they're working and are now practicing lawyers. But it's rare that you hear someone going the other way around, going from a practicing lawyer to being a police officer. Yeah, and I still practice law, you know, on the side. I kept my license active for 30 years till I retired. And it was having that background made my career in law enforcement a more impactful career because I had been on the other side of the table asking the questions and putting cases together and prosecuting them. So I had that perception and experience that I could bring to law enforcement and I could train uh, cops in the police academy and around the country to be better cops based on my experience of having been on the other side of the table asking the questions in the courtroom. So you went from practicing lawyer as a prosecutor uh, to a police officer, and then how long was your career in law enforcement? Uh, 26 years sworn with uh, Dayton, Ohio. And, uh, I mean, I worked my way up. I was a patrol for eight years before I even tested to uh, start promoting. Uh, I had that attitude of, I may have a law degree, but that doesn't make me a better supervisor or a better cop. So I worked my way up, uh, 26 years sworn with uh, Dayton, Ohio, uh, retired, was out of the game for two years and was bored. Uh, my wife says, go do something. And so I joined Colorado Springs Police Department as a uh, criminal investigator on a newly formed human trafficking team. And I did that for three years, part-time, 20, 29 hours a week, working uh, undercover human trafficking cases. That's amazing. So all together, almost, almost a total of 30 years. Colorado Springs, isn't that the home of the famous Joe Kenda? Yes, it is. My famous wife... Joke. And, Loves and that the, guy and the famous uh, dog, the bounty hunter. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, I, I'm a big fan of Joe Kenda, dog, the bounty hunter, not so much. But <laughs> my my wife, we watch Investigation Discovery Channel quite a bit, and she loves Joe Kenda, and she loves when he talks. And I go, honey, that's how 99 percent of the people I worked with talked. That, that's you know, <laughs> it's a certain lingo that we tend to have with each other, and he's just very good at saying it as it is and uh he doesn't doesn't you know fancy it up and, and i just love watching that guy yeah yeah uh, and he uh i mean hundreds of cases that he solved and i ne- i have never met him personally i mean he was long retired uh, uh when i was with the department from 2014 to 2017 but uh yeah great guy uh, everybody i've talked to uh, thinks highly of him and and was a great cop. And by the way, I've noticed he has retired and he's living where I was raised. I spent my childhood in the Norfolk, Virginia Beach area. I was a Navy brat. So enough about Joe. We're here to talk about you. We're here to talk about your experience in law enforcement. And one of the things that you do now, and then we'll talk about perspectives on law enforcement and what you experienced and, and how things were from your point of view. But you are a proficient, prolific writer, and you're also doing a lot of speaking and training. Uh, where can people get more details about your books, training, uh, speaking engagements, and whatnot? Well, two places. Uh, on Amazon, uh, if you Google, just string these three words together, warrior, servant, leader, 
because that's my series of books are based on that foundation of those three words. And then warrior WSLtraining.com is our website for training. And it's not just me. I several other guys that are just incredibly gifted trainers who have been literally through hell in the law enforcement arena and came out the other side and are giving back to uh, to law enforcement. There's so many people I've met that have been through absolutely horrific situations. And I, I gave up the comparing game. Uh, you know, what I went through was, was bad enough, uh, and it took a long time to get through that and get to the kind of life I want to have today. But when I talk to these people, these law enforcement officers, whether they were shot, whether they, they're involved in sh- deadly shootings or serious investigations, every one of them after a long career has picked up some sort of emotional damage along the way. And where the real inspiration is for me, Pat, is when I hear them talk about how they got beyond those dark days, those dark years, the effort it took, and then how they dedicate their lives to helping other people. And to a man, almost every one of them does that. It's very rare you hear about a guy who retires, goes to Colorado, and he's never heard from again. <laughs> yeah, they're, uh, uh, the guys that, that I do things with, the, the training and, and sit, sit around and talk about the experiences are just it's just unbelievable what, what, and we're, it, our experiences are only unique in that it happened to us, but it's not unique to people in law enforcement. We all have a story. We all, we all have that, that grind that, that we went through and it, uh, it's, it's different. The, it's kind of why cops are, they shy away from, they end up, quite frankly, they end up losing all their friends. If you're not a cop, then uh, you're not one of us kind of mentality. And the job does that to you. It certainly can. We're going to take a short yeah. break. We are talking with Pat Welsh. This is a Law Enforcement Today show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Epidemic. America's public health crisis. These are all terms that describe the current problem of drug and alcohol abuse in the United States. Countless lives are lost, and heartbroken families are too many to count. Transformations Treatment Center is dedicated to saving lives. Call 888-991-9725 and online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has many acclaimed treatment programs offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725 and online at transformationstreatment.center. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is brought to you in part by Left Chest Society t-shirts from honor-line.com. 
These unique tombstone-themed T-shirts are designed by a career law enforcement officer, art by one of the nation's top artists. Check them out online at honor-line.com. Get one or get all three. Use promo code LET at checkout at honor-line.com and get 10% off. Go to honor-line.com and use promo code LET at checkout to save 10%. That's Left Chess Society t-shirts only at honor-line.com. Use promo code LET to save 10%. That's promo code LET at honor-line.com. If you've missed past episodes of the Law Enforcement Today show, never fear. You can listen to them online. Just go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com or download our free app also available on our website that's lawenforcementtoday.com returning to our conversation with pat welsh pat was retired from dayton ohio police department retired at the rank of major then spent about three years working colorado springs police department he is a prolific writer trainer speaker written many articles on lawenforcementtoday.com several books and when we before winter break pat one of the things you started talking about the individual law enforcement officer's experience is unique to them, but there's a combined experience and that we all tend to go through to some degree or another. And some come out of it relatively unscathed and other ones really struggle and suffer, but they're all impacted to some degree or another. Is that a fair assessment? Absolutely. What do you think that's caused by, in your opinion? The number one cause, if you will, is disillusionment we every cop yeah i'm sure this was your response as it is was for 99 percent of everybody interviewed why do you want to be a cop and your answer is i want to help people absolutely i want to i want to get back to the community i want to protect and serve and we have that idealism of what it's going to be like to be a cop and we find our niche we let each one of us uh, we develop, every cop develops their niche. It could be traffic. It, for me, it was guns and dope mm-hmm. and uh, bad guys and, and the undercover stuff and violence. And But we all find our niche of what we're good at, what we love. And then we hit a brick wall of disillusionment that reality sets in and our idealism uh, collides with that reality. And we get disillusioned you can call it depressed you whatever terms you want to throw at it that the the mental health world uses or doctors or lawyers or what whomever i use the word disillusionment and then we start to struggle and it usually i'm telling you i i hit it in about year seven and you then you start seeing the behavioral things that go with that marriages start ending yep. uh, people start having trouble with the alcohol all those things you you, uh, you get you isolate yourself from family and friends it's like you're telling my story right now everything you said maybe not seven years might have been like eight and a half nine years everything you said is right on course and it happens to every one of us it's just how do you handle it i was lucky uh about year 13 uh, I kind of had my come to Jesus moment. Pat, get your head out of your ass. Recommit yourself to why you became a cop. Redefine your idealism. And then I, I stayed another 13 years and, and had a really, really good career. I still had problems. We still had family issues. There was still, I still worked for 
and with and for people that were the north end of a southbound horse. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, the higher up the rank they go, that seems to be more prevalent. It, it is. Everybody thinks that as you promote up, you know, they either they take your spine out or they suck your brains out. And and I get that. Uh, it's a myth. I work for some really really great administrators. I work for some really. Yeah. So I had eight police chiefs in twenty six years. Some were really good. But that was my experience as well. I, I had two out of about seven that I thought were phenomenal, and a couple that were okay, and a couple I was like, "How did they get there?" I, I just don't know. Every department's like that. Sure, I, you know, it's uh, there's nine hundred thousand cops in the United States. Uh, there, there's going to be bad apples. There's going to be uh, really, really great people, and it's like any other profession. There's there's problems, but with law enforcement, there's some very, very unique problems that what we see and hear and have to deal with, no human being should have to deal with. And we do it for 25 or 30 years. Right. And that takes its toll. It, it really does. And you said before the break that one of the things that happens is the the, the circle of friends becomes smaller and smaller. Uh, the, the You have less friends outside of police work. And then if you're in a case like me where that happens and then you get hurt and your police career is over and suddenly you're gone then you're like when a you're, fish out of water when, you really have no idea what to do with yourself when you're out you're out it, that's the other thing you could do 26 years and three days and in the 26 year, year and fifth day it feels like you're totally forgotten like who oh yeah that guy i remember him yeah you're not one of us anymore you're one of them and and them is oh yeah you're one of those retired guys you don't know what it's like to be working here at this department or you know whatever because you're not one of them anymore one of the things i bring up quite often to people and and i granted in today's society and environment there's a lot of hostility towards law enforcement there's a lot of violence but one of the things I, i actually try to show and i hate people to do this i don't want to be this guy but i actually bring up statistics and i show them that in the 70s in the 80s and the early 90s, police work was far more violent. We had far more officers being killed. We had far more being catastrophically injured. And we had terrorists, we had bombing, we had everything else, and we had less equipment than they do now. Uh, so are there lessons that can be learned for the modern day law enforcement from the old curmudgeons like you and me? <laughs> yeah, th- yes, there are. And I get the the younger generations that are coming into law enforcement have a different perspective. But one of the things, let me give you an example. In Minneapolis, they have put the kibosh to warrior mindset training. Oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah, And because they don't understand what it means to be a warrior in in a cop's uniform. And so us old curmudgeons that have uh, been through, and I, I'm one, you and I, man, we had 38 revolvers. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, I didn't have a, you know, if you wanted a, a, a bulletproof vest, you had to buy it yourself, uh, all those kinds of things, and we, we survived, and, and we thrived, uh, and we made it through a career, and a lot of what we learn, it's, what's that old saying? Uh, if you don't know your past, right. you're doomed to repeat it. right. We know the past. Yeah. We, we know what it was like, and we can share 
what are lessons learned that will save lives and change lives, not only of your cops, but of the community that you're serving. And that's what it's all about, Pat. Now, I talk so much in the show about the experience of law enforcement and how much I care for our law enforcement officers. And, and I always say this for police administrators out there. You've got to find an equal balance about caring for the welfare of society and caring for your troops, the men and women in your department. If you can't treat them equally, you're you're out of balance and you're part of the problem. You can't be, oh, my guys are perfect all the time and a community to heck with them. And you can't be so community related that you totally disregard the needs of your law enforcement people because they're the ones who actually handle the calls. In, in America, we're pretty blessed in that in almost any part of the United States, if you have a family emergency, a medical emergency, a crime in progress, or anything else, you can grab the phone, you can dial 911, and a first responder is going to be there within a few minutes. And we need to yep. make sure they're in the best possible mental and physical conditions to be because our, our community depends on it and needs it and, it, and it's worth it. Uh, we're talking with Pat Welsh. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Are you working so hard to make a living you can't take time to make any real money? Is every day the same boring routine going nowhere and the money runs out before the month? My name is Ron Legrand and for over 35 years now I've been helping clients take their life back by buying and selling houses with no money, credit, experience, or license. If you'll call 800-956-0677, 24 hours, and leave a message, I'll send you my new book and CD absolutely free so you can see how. I've bought hundreds of houses and trained thousands to do the same. Call 800 956 0677. Get your free starter kit until 500 are gone. You'll learn how to make a full-time income on a part-time basis without risk, largely tax-free, and get 90% of the work done for you for pennies. That's 800-956-0677. 800-956-0677. Again, 800-956-0677. That's 800-956-0677. This portion of the Law Enforcement Today radio show is brought to you in part by Pet Rescue Life Facebook page. Everyone's welcome at the Pet Rescue Life Facebook page, where you'll find fun, informative, and enjoyable posts daily. Purebred, mixed breeds, rescues, we love them all. Be sure to like the Pet Rescue Life Facebook page. This is the Law Enforcement Today show. I'm John J. Wiley, and joined by Pat Welsh. Pat is, uh, first of all, it's great to have you on the show. Uh, Pat has written many articles on lawenforcementtoday.com. You can see them there. Just do a search for Pat Welsh. Uh, and you have a theme. You, your website is WSL. That's Warrior Servant Leader Training. Is that correct? Yes. When I hear training.com. When I hear warrior, I know what that I, I know what that means as a police officer. A lot of people that aren't police don't. A lot of politicians don't. When I hear servant, my first thought is religion based. And leader, that's that's an ambiguous term, but I know a good leader when I see them. And I'm working at becoming a better one than I was. When I was in my twenties, I first got promoted to sergeant, I thought I had it going on. I had so much to learn about dealing with, with people not so much the policing part of it, but dealing with the people who worked under you and motivating them and making sure they did the best job possible and they followed the rules and, and all that stuff. So leadership, man, that's like a constant ongoing thing. It is. And if you ask 100 people, what is leadership? You're going to get 100 different answers. 
and most people will tell you, well, leadership is, and then they give you an example. Uh, you know, uh, leader, uh, leadership is leading by example, uh, or fill in the blank. And what I try to tell, and not just cops, I mean, I, uh, in the faith community, in everyday life, I mean, with my grown kids, with family, friends, here's leadership, influence. That's it. Mm-hmm. Leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. If you are a person of influence, then you are a person in a leadership capacity. And for cops, and I train military, like security forces, military cops, and they use the word leadership very liberally, and to them, leadership is bar stars and stripes. And they always refer to, well, leadership says this, or leadership says that, and they're talking about positional leadership. And what I try to share with people in part, and they're all three things. You have to wear all three hats at, at the same time. Is uh, just remember, you are a person of influence. You, you want somebody to go to jail without having to fight them? You better be a darn good leader. Yeah, uh, you, and you better, better be, be talk darn to them. good at influencing them. Exactly. To cooperate. I always say this: anybody who's worked in law enforcement for a long period of time has many years' experience in sales. They're they're selling options to people. And the example I use is if you get a, a call for a domestic. Uh, no physical violence involved and, and one wants you need to get one to leave the house and you say look Joe here's your options you can leave go away for the night come back tomorrow enjoy your weekend maybe patch things up with the missus and, and let things cool down or you can refuse to leave and I have to take you to jail and by the way if you want choose that option and you want to fight me I'm going to call for backup and there's going to be 40 police here in a matter of moments so either way you're going and, and when you explain options to people in a way like that, most of them say, well, "Look, I get it. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go enjoy my weekend." Yeah, they don't always follow yeah. through with that, but that's a, a basic example. When we talked about warrior, and you talk about the warrior mindset training in certain cities, where they're saying, uh, "No, we don't want our police doing that because they're to serve and protect." And I get that, but I want to say this. There was several incidents I was involved in, and one of them in particular where uh, the typical unarmed man is driving a stolen car, had a bunch of crack cocaine, uh, and when I went to arrest him, I was trying to reholster my revolver. It was that long ago. And before I could get it reholstered and cuff him, he broke bad. And we had a, a fight over the handgun, and it was turned towards my face and firing off all six rounds. During that event, there was a moment, a moment of clarity, for lack of better words, where I said to myself, this guy's trying to kill me. Uh, He's not trying to hurt me. He's trying to kill me. And I'm going to die. But it's not going to be tonight. It's not because of this guy. And I'll do whatever it takes to put an end to this. If that means killing him, then that's what it's going to be. And that was that warrior mindset that, that I had developed and was taught. Is that what you're talking about? Here's a warrior in me. Yes and no. <laughs> uh, that's part of it. And, and those, that warrior mentality, uh, you know, uh, Colonel Grossman calls it, you know, bulletproof mind. Right. That's a, survi- that's a survival mindset of I'm not going to die. Uh, I, I can live through, even if you're shot, I'm not, you know, I'm going to live through this. I'm, 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 I'm going to survive. That is part of segment of the warrior mindset, but, it's more than that. And here's, here's what I tell people. A warrior is simply a person that is able, willing, and ready, and actually does stand up and defend 
what they believe in. And it can be a principle, it can be a value, it could be your family, it could be your faith, it, it could be anything. You know, parent, I always say, I, you know, who here's a warrior and nobody raises their hand. And when I do the military, you know, who here sees themselves as a warrior? And I'll get like three hands out of 80. And I'll go, okay, why are you three? Uh, well, I was deployed. So you other 77 people, you haven't been deployed? No. So you're not a warrior? Well, no, I haven't been downrange. That's that's only a small portion of the warrior life is actually fighting physically, fighting battles. But it, you have to have a warrior mindset to defend what you believe in, you know, uh, doing the right thing at the right time, the right way, and for the right reasons. That when somebody is doing something wrong, you stand up and go, hey, you know, knock that ball off. That's not, that's not our culture. That's not how we uh, think and talk and act on this agency or in this house. You know, you, ha- you, have, you have your code of ethics in every aspect of your life, and the warrior mindset calls you to defend that. It's interesting because that's not what I think. That's not what I think of when I think of warrior. I, my my first thoughts were like combat, military type tactics. That's what I I think of when I think of warrior at first. And you've enlightened me because I'm thinking about things I never had any way of relating it to that term or that mindset. If you have an agency that's in trouble, uh, that their police community relationships suck, there's low morale. That's a culture issue. And when I say culture, I'm not talking race. A culture, here's the definition of culture. What is expected and accepted way of thinking, talking, and acting. That defines culture. Your family life has a culture. You know what is expected and accepted way of thinking, talking, and acting in your family. Then that's the, that's defines the culture of your family. And what I try to impress on people in the civilian world, in the faith, you know, the faith world, the law enforcement world, is if you want to change the culture of your agency, your family, your parish, your community, then you have to change how people expect and accept the way to think, talk, and act. And uh, the warrior mentality, the warrior mindset says, I will stand up and I will defend that. That, uh, you know, we talk about a, uh, code of silence in in law enforcement civilians talk about it a lot this code of silence well if you really believe that there is a code of silence that is permeating your agency and you do nothing about that then you're not a warrior you're a coward and you're part of the problem yeah you are part of the problem and and so when i talk about warrior mindset training i'm not talking about I don't go. I know nothing about tactical firearms. I mean, I, I'm, I qualified and all that kind of stuff. I don't come in and teach people uh, how to do hand-to-hand combat, uh, how to, you know, uh, come along holds and, and all that physical contact. I come in that your mind. What what's your attitude? And are you willing to defend what you think? You know, what is the right thing to do? That's my motto. It's on my challenge coin. This is Law Enforcement Today's show. We are talking with Pat Welsh, retired police major and prolific author, writer, speaker, and also contributed many articles at lawenforcementtoday.com. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. So many people ask me, how did I transition from police work to a career in radio? What did I do to become a music radio DJ? 
Plus, host of the syndicated Law Enforcement Today radio talk show and podcast. The answer is simple. I attended the Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting, where I learned by doing. At Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting's 11 East Coast campuses, students have learned by doing for 55 years. Radio, television, podcasting, and now coding for web development. At the Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting, students learn in months, not years. Day and evening classes are available. Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting is perfect for those graduating from high school, adults looking for new career training, first responders, and veterans, too. For veterans, some or all your tuition could be covered by your VA benefits. Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting has locations in Connecticut, Florida, Georgia, Massachusetts, New Jersey, New York, and North Carolina. Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting training in audio, video production, television, sports, podcasting, radio, and web development. What are you waiting for? Get more information. Call 800-887-2346 or online at gocsb.com. For special offers and consideration, tell them you heard about them from Law Enforcement Today. That's 800-887-2346 and online at gocsb.com. Again, 800-887-2346 and online at gocsb.com. missed past episodes of law enforcement today's show never fear you can listen to them online just go to our website lawenforcementtoday.com or download our free app also available on our website that's lawenforcementtoday.com back to our conversation with pat welsh on the law enforcement today show uh, pat's retired police major uh, is also an author writer trainer by the way, you can see many of his articles online at our website, lawenforcementtoday.com. Before we went to break, Pat, one of the things you said that started making the bells go off inside my head, and this is something that people assume so often, it drives me nutty. They talk about that, that, that blue line of silence and that we, as a law enforcement family, will turn our backs to any kind of criminal behavior. And uh, they also seem to be the same people that really thoroughly believe all these conspiracy theories. This is saying that Jay Dobbins, your friend, will know very, very well. There's an old saying from the 1% motorcycle gang club community that three people can keep secret if two are dead. That, yeah. yeah, they think that every cop is going to say, oh, he's a bum, he's doing horrible things, and he's, he's scum, and, and I'm going to turn my back and put my family my family's health care, our retirement, and everything else at risk for the behavior of someone else. And I just don't see that very often. I've never really seen it at all. No. I I help send cops to prison. Yeah. And no, uh, no one wants to do that. Uh, Nobody it, wants it, uh, to do that. No. No. Because it it's get, if you do that, if you turn your back and you accept and expect cops to do crooked things then you are you are a criminal you yeah. are no better than the people that you're put you're sending off to prison and there that isn't why you became a cop and it's not just in policing i mean it's in our society in general it's in our in our communities uh, you know the catholic church is going through through it don't um, even get me started on that i've been you know been a, a raised catholic my whole life and i and i very i have deep deep struggles with that the cop part of me really struggles with that hey i've never been to a public school 
I was raised Catholic all the way, I went Catholic school all the way through law school. I was headed to the priesthood when, actually, when I met Get my out. wife. I was in a in seminary my- before I became a cop. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I really wanted to help people. I just I, I knew yeah. that the whole celibacy thing wasn't for me. The calling, yeah. I didn't have it. I thought I did. But the, the calling to help people and, and being a law enforcement officer, a police officer, really was appealing because I felt like I could do so much to help people in ways yeah. you couldn't from a pulpit. Absolutely. And and I think police officers in in I don't know, it's almost intrinsic in a way, but it's not just in cops. And I'm going to give you an example of a non-cop that in, in our lifetime, you and me, our lifetime is probably the greatest warrior servant leader we will ever have known and seen in action. And I think cops intrinsically have that drive to do all three of those things, to, to defend, and it's on our cruisers, you know, protect and serve. So right. Call it protect if you want, but to stand up and defend the least, the last, the lost in our communities, uh, we hate seeing people victimized, and we want to do something about it. And usually our victims are the least, the last, and the lost. Right. And, And the servant thing is we genuinely, genuinely, this is servanthood, put the wants and needs of others before your own. That's it. Parents are the probably greatest example of servanthood putting the wants and needs of their children above their own. And cops want to do that. I'm, you know, why do we run to gunfire? Uh, because we're putting the wants and needs of others before our own. You know, why do we go out and buy a bag of groceries for a family? We're on a call and there's no food in the house. And we go, hey, we'll be back in a few minutes. And you, you run the store and you buy them, you stock their refrigerator with food out of your own pocket. And these aren't That's, wealthy people doing this. These are people that oftentimes are barely making ends meet our law enforcement family. Yeah. And, and then that leadership component, being a person of influence, influencing people's lives in a positive way. And, and sometimes we're influencing them, and it's against their best interest. You know, you ever do a hostage negotiation uh, stuff, you ever try to talk somebody down, uh, it's against their best interest to surrender to you because they're going to jail. Right. And But in our lifetime, you know, so when I, the warrior servant leader and everybody thinks, well, the police, you know, they're, they're thugs because they have guns and badges and they want to be warriors and blah, blah, blah. Here's the greatest warrior servant leader in our lifetime. You and I probably have, will ever see in our lifetime. And that was Mother Teresa. Now St. Teresa of Calcutta. That little thing stood up in front of, yeah, at uh, the United Nations and gave them a tongue lashing on their morality and their, their lack of morality. I mean, she stood up and defended. She put up the, want, the wants and needs of others before her own, an incredible person of influence. And what I tried to do in my speaking, in my writing, in my books, uh, in my articles, both for the law enforcement community and, and otherwise in the faith community, general community life is to create a culture and expectation and accept that that's what we want people to be. You know how much different this world would be? If a lot of people we, did that, it'd be tremendously different. Yeah. If, if we and, just people we did that in politics, time. that would make a huge difference. And, you know, I, I don't engage in partisan political conversation for obvious reasons, but you're so right. She was such a strong character and strong personality. In my memory of her, I don't recall a time where she was disillusioned and wanted to give up. 
I don't know where she came up with that inner strength. Was that faith-based? I don't know where it came from. But even that, you got to have something else, I think. Yeah, I'll tell you what. If, if, you, if you read and study up on her, or any of the saints, they all had their... They all, we all have our demons. We all have our moments of, of quiet uh, struggle and uh, doubts. I mean, that's part of the human condition. So uh, sainthood isn't about being perfect. It is about being faithful. And, and so that, I think she was. I, and if you read, read some stuff about her and people who served with her and have written about her, she had her struggles. We all do. And I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, and I know we're getting near the end of, of our time together, but um, the, uh, the ultimate tragedy in law enforcement, because we don't have this warrior-servant-leader mentality permeating through all aspects of our life, on-duty, off-duty, uh, and we are uh, developing this us-versus-them mindset and attitude, and if you ain't one of us, then you're one of them, and and we have this division. You know, more cops kill themselves every year than are killed in the line of duty. Absolutely. And, and that speaks volumes. And it's, it's been a problem for a very, very long time. People think it's a recent issue. And it, it was a problem when I was a rookie in 1980. Uh, I had a guest on the show, Dr. Robert Douglas, who's a retired Baltimore police and uh, PhD pastor. And, and he said the first commission study about police law enforcement suicide was by Mayor LaGuardia in New York in 1930s because it was such a bad problem. Mm-hmm. And that speaks volumes to this perception that we're a close-knit, thin blue line, the blue family and whatnot. We, if we saw a blood sibling or relative struggling with something to the point that they would commit suicide— we would do something about it. And so often we see these red flags in our brothers and sisters in blue, and we go, we, we pull the old Kermit the Frog meme of uh, drinking a cup of tea going, hey, none of my business. Not my business. And if it, if it was, it, if it was a, in Baltimore, it's a, we call it a signal 13. If, if an officer would fight for their life, we would drop everything. And it didn't matter yep. what was it, gunfire, car, it didn't matter what it was. We'd go through anything to get there to help them. And and when we see these things happening now, we turn a blind eye and we're afraid to say that things are uncomfortable. And right. we need to get back to a, what a lot of my predecessors, the Vietnam veterans, when they came home, they talked to each other before we had all these things with the VA. And they, they had the pointed conversations. And they were willing to step on each other's toes and say, hey, are you doing all right, brother? Because you don't look like it, and you're not acting like it. Yep. And, that, and to me, that's a warrior mindset. You are willing to stand up and defend that person's life because of what the struggle they're going through. And you will put their wants and needs ahead of your own and do something about it. And if it means that, you know what, get in the car and I'm driving you to the hospital, you, we're gonna, you're going to get checked in. We're going for a drive. Give us your website address one more time because we've got to wrap things up. WSL, as, as in Warrior Servant Leader, but just the initials, WSLtraining.com. Patrick Wells, thanks two- so much for joining us on the Law Enforcement Today Show. I'm definitely going to have you back. You're a fascinating guest. Thanks so much. Hey, thanks, Jake. Take care, bud. Thank you so much for spending part of your day with us here at Law Enforcement Today. On behalf of everyone associated with the show and the website, this is John J. Wiley. Until next time. See ya.